Armstrong and Getty Show. How you doing? Welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you for tuning in. Jack is uh, ill. We're hoping it's not uh, the flu or, you know, he mentioned feeling uh, nauseated, and uh, which makes you think maybe it's something intestinal issue. Uh, has the, uh, the norovirus been going around again? Man, that thing's a, a biatch. You don't want it. We're, I was comparing notes with the uh, uh, dog down the uh, the hall. Mm-hmm. It's his nickname. He's not. He's a human being, actually, <laughs> but it's his nickname. Um, and uh, and he was talking about yeah, I had it, then he had it, then she had it, and then so and so had it. And he said you get a cough that lasts for like eight weeks. And ay caramba, that's all we need. So I guess it's just it's ripping through offices all over the West Coast. I I tell you what, Jack. Jack is uh, uh, here's here's the the yin and yang with Jack boy. He would show up with a gaping chest wound to work because that's what you do. You go to work. That's that's his ethic. That's his people, and it's it's admirable as hell. You can't keep them down. On the other hand, through the years, there have been a number of times when the rest of us practically took up clubs and pitchforks and torches and hounded him like the Frankenstein monster to get him to hell out of here. Because, like, you're coughing, you're wheezing, my God, you're, you're just a walking ball of disease. Get out. So I'm kind of glad he stayed home today. I just feel like I'm going to die. There I he feel, is. I've got a, I feel like I've got a bowling ball in my stomach. I'm oh, not kidding. We've set up a live line to Jack. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so uh, he's sick, but we're, we're holding down the fort. We've got a number of good guests and interesting stories for you. So listen here. I am not one of those guys. We are not those guys who make our living uh, constantly telling you that uh, there are dark and insidious forces threatening us, uh, that it's all a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's just, it's number one, it's not true. Number two, a lot of it's not true. Number two, it's, it's, it's irresponsible, and it just, it's not good for our country. It's not good for our civilization. On the other hand, what's going on with the uh, Hillary slash Trump Russia investigation and these two characters, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, the uh, FBI lovers, and James Comey, and the just, you want to talk about nauseated, Loretta Lynch. All of that mess is coming together in a way that is really looking pretty unholy. Are you familiar with the, uh, the hundreds or hundreds of pages of text messages between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page? They were at the very center. They were the lead people of the Hillary investigation and then the Trump collusion investigation and or the Russian meddling with the election investigation, which are kind of, uh, you know, duct taped together. Although, you know, whether one is real and the other's fake or one small, the other's big, et cetera, um, we don't know yet. And I'll tell you, it's probably worth uh, issuing this disclaimer in advance. If Trump and company colluded with Russia in a way that is a crime, um, I don't care if every single damn one of them, including the POTUS, spends the rest of their life in Leavenworth. If they're conspiring with a foreign government in a way that is illegal, um, well, then, then face, the, face, the, your, uh, face your doom, gentlemen and ladies, and, and I'll be fine with that. Uh, on the other hand, if what they did was merely unethical, unpatriotic, unwise, etc., we'll let, let the American voters decide um, and, and see how that goes. Uh, I make no prejudgment. I think Mueller's probably going to do a pretty good job. So we'll wait and see. Um, on the Hillary thing, that's been a little weird and hinky, the email deal from the beginning. Um, 
and 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 so I go into this just wanting to know who's broken the law and who has lied without regard to a party partisanship. So you got Strzok and Page uh, uh, making sweet uh, special agent love. Meanwhile, being in charge of the investigations and or being very high up in them and having unquestionably sympathetic views toward Hillary and harshly, harshly critical toward Trump. Yet another disclaimer. FBI agents are allowed to have political views and allowed to express them to each other as long as like a you know a major league umpire and NFL referee just because they take Tom Brady as a pretty pretty man that doesn't mean they change the calls you can be you can admire somebody and not let it pervert your professional duties so having said all that crap here's what we're talking about according to Cheryl Atkinson among others reporting on this former attorney general Loretta Lynch apparently knew well in advance of FBI Director James Comey's press conference that he would recommend against charging Hillary Clinton. That revelation is among the 384 pages of text messages between the two FBI agents. It diminishes the credibility of Lynch's earlier commitment to accept Comey's recommendation, a commitment she made under the pretense that the two were not coordinating each other with each other because you remember the way it unfolded. She met with Bill Clinton on the plane a day before, I believe, Hillary was interviewed, which is just crazy. Comey and Lynch reportedly knew Clinton would never face charges even before the FBI conducted its three-hour interview with Clinton, which was supposedly meant to gather more information into her mishandling of classified information. Now, on July the 1st of 2016, as the Lynch announcement became public, Page texted Strzok when she it was her announcement that she would essentially recuse herself and let Comey make the decision and she would accept it. Page, the gal, texted Strzok and said, oh, yeah, it's a real profile and courage since she knows no charges will be brought. Now. Your uh, your red meat Chuck and Sean Hannity crowd. Is saying that's definitive proof. And stating that she knows with certainty for hard evidence that no charges will be brought. It's possible she was saying just the whole mood of the thing is no charges will be brought against Hillary because she's too important and the charges are too mild, blah, blah. It's like, you know, he's going to show up late. Okay, if somebody says that, they don't know with certainty that somebody's going to show up late. They're indicating that, you know, with the totality of things, we all know what's going on here. Um, either way, it's damaging. Whether it's criminal or absolute proof of lying and conspiracy, I don't know. I don't know. But it ain't good. There are other revelations within the text messages, but in the cover letter accompanying them, the FBI noticed Congress that many additional text messages are missing. According to the FBI's technical technical system, I'm quoting now, for retaining text messages sent and received on FBI mobile devices, failed to preserve text messages for the two uh, loving agents from December of middle December 2016 to approximately May 17, 2017, which was a critical period of all this. 
The reason, you know, they upgraded, they changed this, Samsung 5 mobile devices didn't capture store text messages because of the long-term data storage, blah, 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 blah. A bunch of IT department, we changed this and we didn't do this and we forgot to flip this switch. It's the stuff we all deal with every day at work, right? In a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray sent yesterday, head of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, Ron Johnson, R. Wisco, called the loss of records concerning... Strzok and Page communicated in a voluminous fashion via text message while allegedly having the illicit affair. Strzok was a key figure in the Hillary Clinton exoneration, reportedly interviewed Trump's former national security advisor, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, which resulted in Flynn pleading guilty. Until last summer, Strzok and Page were both members of special counsel Mueller's team. Uh, Neither has been accused of wrongdoing, but both have been thrown off the team. And uh, Strzok in particular has been demoted a couple of times. Um, and, and actually, I just heard Strzok's being allowed to retire early with his pension, taxpayer-paid pension. Why is he retiring early if he hasn't done anything? Have him go to work. Have him do his freaking work. This is this is hairy. There's something going on. Listen to this. The text messages seem to indicate that some within the FBI were making investigatory decisions based on Trump's ascendancy, blah, blah, blah. Holy ass, Cruz just dropped out of the race, writes Page. It's going to be Clinton-Trump. Unbelievable. What? You heard it right, my friend. I saw Trump won. Now the pressure really starts to finish, M-Y-E. It sure does. We need to talk about a follow-up call tomorrow. M-Y-E is mid-year exam, the FBI case name for the Clinton email investigation. So when it became Clinton-Trump... The agent in charge said, now the pressure really starts to finish that. Well, wait a minute. When it was Clinton Cruz, there wasn't pressure to finish it. But now that it's Trump, there is. Why? Why? To go ahead and clear Hillary? To avoid the nightmare scenario of Trump winning. There's more, and it's every bit as troubling, including the two uh, lawman lovers saying, all right, we got to switch how we're talking about this so it can't be traced. When was the last time you said that? And were you up to good stuff when you said that? Huh? More to come on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Fight, fight, fight! Megan Kelly versus Jane Fonda coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Why, two unlikable gals, if there ever were two. Anyway, uh, some of you may be fans of either. I mean, no offense to anyone. In fact, speaking of bringing people together, my progressive friends, and I do have plenty. Uh, what this whole email, uh, I'm sorry, text message FBI thing means to you, I'm going to bring it home to you and hard because this is getting a little scary, more than a little scary. I'll explain exactly what I mean in a minute. And if you don't agree with me, feel free to, you know, drop us a line, text, whatever, email. Uh, but you're going to agree, so don't bother. So we're talking about the missing texts between FBI agents uh, Strzok and Page, the two uh, 
lawman lovers who were at the heart of both the Clinton investigation and the Trump investigation. And their texts so far include some really weird, suspicious things that seems like the Clinton investigation was not on the up and up. At the very least, Comey and Lynch were coordinating um, and 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 also some of the well, I'll get I'll get to the specifics, but the missing texts span the period between December 14, 2016 and May 17, 2017. That's the day Robert Mueller was appointed to take over the FBI's probe of the alleged Trump Russia collusion. And that day, suddenly they could start saving texts again. And it was during the period in which the FBI uh, would have ostensibly been hard at work on their insurance policy against a Trump victory. You remember the weirdest text of the previous batch was when Strzok said to Page, no, Page said to Strzok, I want to believe you threw the path you threw out. In, for consideration in Andy's office that there's no way Trump gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take that risk. They're talking about doing something that they don't mention what they're doing, but what they're doing, quote, it's like a life insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. In other words, no way he wins. Come on now. But we can't take that chance. So we have to do the other plan. Right after that, their text messages go dark, and five months' worth have disappeared as they enact whatever that quote-unquote insurance policy is going to be. Now, if you believe that insurance policy was something innocent, a good rigorous investigation or something like that, man, it looks terrible for you. I mean, it, it just stinks to high heaven. That that very period is the one that's gone missing. Scrolling, scrolling. One more thing before I get to the bringing everybody together thingamajigger. So they're texting when we last uh, were discussing this about how when it became clear that Trump was going to beat Cruz and become the nominee. Strzok says, I saw Trump won. Now the pressure really starts to finish MYE. That's their code for mid-year exam, which was the FBI case name for the Clinton email investigation. Page says, it sure does. We need to talk about a follow-up call tomorrow. The text exchanges also indicate the FBI substituted, then omitted damaging language in Director Comey's statement that recommended Clinton not be charged. The original draft noted that Clinton had improperly used personal email to contact President Obama while abroad in the territory of sophisticated adversaries. She used the personal email to talk to Obama on the land of a nasty adversary. According to the text exchange, an FBI official then removed President Obama's name and stated Clinton had simply emailed another senior government official. Then in the final statement, both references were omitted entirely. That's not cool. Another text, other texts rather, suggested Strzok and Page intended to subvert government rules governing preservation of their discussions about FBI matters. In April of 2016, Page texted... So, look, you say we text on that phone when we talk about Hillary because it can't be traced, et cetera, et cetera. So they're actually conspiring to hide their communications about Hillary. 
The newest batch of text messages turned over on Friday, the ones that aren't missing, show that in February 2016, Page texted Strzok that then-candidate Trump, quote, simply cannot be president. Now, that could be an innocent expression of their political uh, leanings, which they get to do. It's fine. Unless it's part of something bigger and much more insidious. Listen to this, my friends. Here's where I bring it all together. And I love this subhead at the Zero Hedge, who do beautiful reporting work. Wiped like with a cloth? But this is not about Hillary. Word of the missing text between Strzok and Page comes on the heels of a report that virtually nobody's recovering, but they were. The NSA is said, the NSA, is there a more technically adept body on Earth? The NSA, quote, sincerely regrets deleting all Bush-era surveillance data that it was ordered to preserve. The NSA, under a district court judge order to preserve Bush-era surveillance data, quote-unquote, accidentally erased all of it. The NSA told U.S. District Judge Jeffrey White in a filing Thursday night and another little notice submission last year that the agency did not preserve the content of Internet communications intercepted between 2001 and 2007 under the program Bush ordered. To make matters worse, there are backup tapes. Oh, but wait a minute. They were erased in 2009, 2011, and 2016, according to the NSA, all three under Barack Obama. The NSA sincerely regrets its failures to prevent the deletion of this data, they say. NSA senior management is fully aware of this failure, and the agency is committed to taking swift action in response to the loss of this data. Given the magnitude of the malfeasance already uncovered within the top top ranks of the FBI during and after the presidential race, we can only imagine what's contained in those five months of missing texts. Or to summarize, first, the IRS destroyed emails... Pivotal, and this is from Representative Jim Jordan, he's a congressman. First, the IRS destroyed emails pivotal to our investigation of their political targeting. You remember that? The IRS, the Lois Lerner thing? Now the FBI failed to preserve texts between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page following the 2016 election. Then you've got the NSA, quote-unquote, kind of sort of accidentally erasing years' worth of records that a judge ordered them to preserve and emails as well so my progressive friends are you going to be okay with it if trump orders some sort of absolutely unholy unconstitutional nightmare surveillance of progressive groups and then all those records mysteriously get erased this is a pattern my friends this is troubling Marshall Phillips has news coming up in a moment or two. What do you have, Marsh? Well, Special Counsel's Russia investigation's just taken another turn. We have new information about one of the siblings allegedly held captive and tortured by their parents in Southern California, and a diagnosis has sidelined a music legend. Coming up, minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Good Lord, that's dark stuff. we got to lighten things up. How about a verbal fist fight between Jane Fonda and Megyn Kelly? Wouldn't that be fun? We'll have that for you coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. Are you concerned about... It's the Armstrong and Getty Show in a 
Battle of the Biatches, Megyn Kelly takes on Jane Fonda coming yes. up. Also, we have a couple of exciting interviews on a sheet of paper I've misplaced. Oh, there it is. <clears throat> oh, we're going to talk to Drew Harwell of the Washington Post about the Amazon ghost stores. Oh, cool. Sorry, minimum wage activists. Yeah. Uh, how much are you going to pay that scanner? Uh-oh! Marshall Phillips has the news, Marsh. Well, we're following a number of investigations, and now the New York Times is reporting Attorney General Jeff Sessions was questioned for several hours last week by the special counsel's office as part of the ongoing investigation into Russia's meddling in the election and whether the president obstructed justice since taking office. That's according to a Justice Department spokeswoman. The meeting marks the first time that investigators for the special counsel, Robert Mueller, are known to have interviewed a member of Mr. Trump's cabinet. So the investigation continues. Meanwhile, the three-day government shutdown is at an end. President Trump signing off the deal, extending government funding all the way to February the 8th. The temporary funding measures the fourth continuing resolution, or CR, since September. Trump is You would con- not run a school drama club like this <laughs> with no budget beyond a couple of weeks. That's just ridiculous. Trump continuing to send out tweets this morning. Nobody knows for sure that the Republicans and Democrats will be able to reach a deal on DACA by February the 8th, but everybody will be trying with a big additional focus, he says, put on military strength and border security. The Dems have just learned that a shutdown is not the answer. That's his latest tweet. Now, in the House, Republican Speaker Paul Ryan called the shutdown unnecessary. However brief... It inflicted needless costs on the country. There are no winners here today. I want to make that clear. We very much need to heed the lessons of what just happened here. We need to move forward in good faith. Yes. No winners. We're all winners here, Paul. Come on now. Except for the losers. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi noting Republicans control Congress in the White House. This past week once again exposed the utter incompetence of the Republican-controlled government. All right. (laughs) Democrats reluctantly voted to go ahead and temporarily pay for resumed operations. You refused to give a single vote to fund the government until a a piece of legislation was passed to deal with 800,000 illegal immigrants. All right. All right. You made a gamble. You lost, Nancy. Now get on your broom and go home. Really? Yeah, really. Turns out First Lady Melania Trump is not going with President Trump when he speaks at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland this week. The First Lady spokeswoman telling CNN scheduling and logistical issues are preventing Mrs. Trump from making that trip. First Lady hasn't made any public comments since the Wall Street Journal reported last week her husband's personal lawyer paid a porn star to stay quiet about an alleged sexual encounter with Trump. Wow, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, if she didn't know about that, and it's true, a couple of months after she gave birth to their boy, oh, yeah. I, you know, as as the uh, the great show The Sopranos taught us, among other things, sometimes a wife will know what she signed up for in a marriage yeah. that has uh, infidelity or, or whatever going on in it. But the one requirement is, don't humiliate me, mm-hmm. you know? And if, if, yeah, that would be really humiliating for her. Makes her look like a dope. Interesting. New information about one of the 13 siblings allegedly held captive and then tortured by their parents in Paris, California. ABC News has exclusively obtained the transcript of the Turpin family's oldest son. 
he was allowed to attend classes at a college. Prosecutors say, though, he was chaperoned to class by his mother, then she would wait outside the classroom until he was done, and then would take him home. The transcript shows he had a 3.9 GPA. Boy, these people are 11 different kinds of crazy. Yep, and it turns out the mother, allegedly, Louis Turpin, reportedly wanted to become famous. Her brother, making an appearance on Inside Edition, says his sister was a big fan of the reality TV show Kate Plus 8. And he's claiming that in one of the last conversations he had with her, she imagined that one day her family might be featured in a reality show of their own. It's good to have stupid, stupid goals. Singer Neil Diamond says he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He's 76 years old. His birthday is tomorrow, by the way. He's 77. Diagnosis, though, is forcing him to retire from touring. Diamond said he's going to try and stay active in writing and recording music. He's saying it's been an honor to bring his shows to the public for the last 50 years. Neil Diamond retiring. And one last note. Super Bowl ticket prices are plummeting and fans are being told to sell unwanted tickets sooner rather than later. Losing to the Eagles at the NFC Championship game dashed the hopes of the Vikings fans who wanted to see the first NFL team play a Super Bowl in its home stadium. Previously, the ticket prices on the secondary market had soared to something like an average of nearly $6,000, but the prices have since been slashed by nearly half. I was watching a video earlier. Somebody tweeted it at us of uh, Philadelphia fans hurling full uh, cans of beer, like closed, right. as weapons at Vikings fans as oh, they are walking into the stadium for the game. I mean, literally peppering them with beer cans and the people having to duck and slap them away and screaming obscenities and and the rest of us. Oh, my God, the city of brotherly love indeed. Wow. Philly fan. Check yourself, battery there, chuckers. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Strong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. All right, fair enough. So, uh... I overlooked the fact that we have got Drew Harwell from the Washington Post uh, coming up in a moment or two, so we'll hit the Megyn Kelly thing. Megyn Kelly, Jane Fonda, right at 8 o'clock, or right after the 8 o'clock news. The future of retail is open in Seattle. We'll talk about it next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Amazon has opened its first cashierless convenience store in Seattle, but they've already been one up by CVS, whose stores apparently have no employees at all. <laughs> Hello? I need my pills! <laughs> Clearly shot it. Good folks at CVS who have always been kind and responsive to my needs through the years. Oh, dang, you want to take a shot at that? Go after the uh, the big box hardware stores. Hello, 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 hello. So uh, on the way, an interview with uh, the fabulous and fascinating Drew Harwell of the Washington Post, who evidently is uh, not picking up the phone, or is he? Do we have Drew now? Okay, fabulous. Uh, let's see. There we go. Drew Harwell joins us from the Washington Post talking about Amazon Go. Drew, how are you, sir? 
I'm great. How are you? Uh, just fine and dandy. We just actually played a, a joke from a late night comedian about the Amazon Go thing. They were talking about how mm-hmm. it's a cashierless uh, convenience store and you mm-hmm. just go in, you scan, you buy, you go out. All that's true and kind of cool. But there's a hell of a lot more to it, isn't there? That's right, because when you walk in that store, there are hundreds of cameras looking down on you. There are sensors in every shelf. Um, It's a lot more information than you're probably used to giving away in a typical grocery store, and all that information is going to be owned by Amazon, which already knows a lot about what you like to read, what you watch, where you live, that kind of thing. So it's raising lots of data questions that you wouldn't expect from, you know, this very boring sort of grocery buying experience. So it's interesting to me. I've read your piece, and it's excellent. We'll post a link so folks can find it and read it really easily but um so you walk into the store and you scan your phone to get in right yeah that's right you have to get the amazon app you have to have an amazon account you scan your phone in this kind of subway style turnstile and then once you're in you become this blip that's sort of followed by uh the system in the store a series of cameras including some infrared cameras that can kind of track you as you walk from aisle to aisle and from shelf to shelf and it sees when you grab an item from the shelf there's uh weight sensors that can tell that the item has been picked up um there's also sort of uh codes on on the label that the cameras can see oh you're grabbing this kind of oatmeal against the the other and when you want to go out, you just leave. There's no cashier. There's no checkout line. The, the, the system is, is supposed to be set up to know uh, your shopping experience is done. They send you a receipt on your phone, and they automatically charge you, and that's what the experience is. So it's supposed to be very quick. It's supposed to be very convenient, and it's supposed to be geared toward getting more impulse shopping. If you can just walk in like it's your own pantry and walk out, you're probably going to buy more than you, you ever would have expected to. So is it like a, a con- typical convenience store with slim gyms and Slurpees and, and, and questionable uh, burritos in the freezer case? Or what sort of fare do they <laughs> not offer? Enough, not enough questionable burritos, not enough questionable uh, roll, rotisserie rolls of those weird taquito things. But it is. Oh, I it love is a good taquito. A, mm. I love those too. <laughs> and it, it is kind of the size of like a typical 7 Eleven or bodega. It's like 2,000 square feet. So it's, it's geared toward a convenience store style thing. But they sell meal kits and they sell sort of ready to made. Uh, ready-made dinner, so it's a, it's like a, it's like a nicer Seven Eleven. It's like a, a, a bougie sort of bodega type, and, and so they expect people to come in. Um, you know, not, not not necessarily huge families with a big shopping cart, which which they don't have, but it's something where you can go in, you can grab a meal or a drink or or whatnot, and, and walk out. And you can also buy sort of Amazon's private label brands. This is the way that they're selling the things that they create that they can, you know, help help to understand what what the data says about what people want, what they want to buy more of, and maybe help them uh, start buying or or selling or or making more products to to keep you in that Amazon ecosystem. Right. You know, it sounds like a nice place to get a shame-free snack or or meal or something like that. I figured it'd probably be kind of hip and modern like that. Although, you know, it's funny, Drew, just a a, a private aside. We're talking about the technology, which is really fascinating, but because I'm hungry for my mid-show snack right now, I I just really want to know what kind of food they have there. It's terrible. Don't don't shop hungry and don't interview people hungry. (laughs) Drew Harwell of the Washington Post is online. Go ahead, Drew. What were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, they have meals. They have the typical. I mean, they have they have nice stuff. It's a it's a really cool. nicely nicely designed store. Um, and 
And it's interesting because you can sort of walk the aisles and people have been sort of making fun of that. There's a big line outside the door for the store whose whole premise is that you don't have to wait in line. Hmm. But um, people are excited about it. I mean, because there there is interesting food and they have a whole kitchen of of people who are prepping these ready-made meals. And and it's stuff like falafels and, and, um, you know, salmon, donburi and and so some pretty nice stuff. Not the the just like Lay's potato chips and and old hot dogs that you're All right, now you're killing me. We've got to stop talking. Talking about food. All right, so listen, let's get back to the technology part of it. You, you mentioned that I'm being censored and, and cameraed and all the entire time. Is the thing just like bristling with cameras looking into my face or what? Yeah, there's hundreds of them. And they look not like the typical camera that you would expect, this sort of surveillance camera with the lens and the body. It's, it's like a flat black uh, featureless pad. Some of them are infrared, so they can sort of uh, pick up signals of kind of radiation and others are just sort of standard, you know, RGB cameras that can kind of sense you. But there's a whole sort of system behind the scenes that connects one camera to the next. But when you look up in the ceilings inside, you see hundreds of these pads and it, it's not a big store. So every every inch of the place is is under surveillance. And I think for some people that's going to feel a little odd. They're probably used to maybe one camera in the ceiling at the grocery store manned by you know, a security guy backstage and, and nobody really saving this footage. But this footage is, is, is saved, it's recorded, it's, it's Amazon's property. And so that, that is sort of the secret sauce of the system. But it's also a little, I think, disconcerting from people who aren't used to um, being watched in somewhere that's, you know, as, as everyday as a grocery trip. Interesting. Um, do we know any uh, big picture answers on this? Or are they going to trot this out nationwide? And I find myself wondering, what are the economics of all this technology? I mean, obviously, you're not paying a cashier twelve fifty an hour, but it sounds like you got, you know, $50 million worth of technology keeping an eye on me instead. Yeah, it's a good question. So Amazon hasn't really said, they haven't really voiced any plans that they're going to roll this out nationwide, but a lot of analysts expect it. I mean, you know, remember that Amazon bought Whole Foods last year, spent about $13 billion on it. It seems like a, a reasonable fit to have some of this technology uh, moved nationwide. And it's not just Amazon, too. I mean, Walmart and Kroger are doing their own type of kind of high-tech, cashier-free things where you, when you see something in the aisle, you can scan it on your phone and then um, pretty much just walk out. So a lot of stores are doing this. A lot of them feel the pressure to uh, step up their game because they're, they're, online shopping is, is eating their lunch a little bit, and, and they want to compete. So I think we're going to probably see this more often. As for the economics, yeah, they don't have to pay cashiers. They have to pay a few stalkers. They have, a, they have somebody in the alcohol section checking IDs. They have people prepping meals. But for labor costs, they're really, really low. It it all goes to the price of the technology. Will it make sense for them to roll out all these cameras and these, um, you know, computer systems to to multiple stores when it's potentially an expensive system? But the the other thing is they've sort of built the system. If it it can run itself, then maybe it's something that they can explore and and share more widely. And maybe it becomes something that's really uh, lucrative to them in the long run. Drew Harwell, national technology reporter for The Washington Post post uh, covering artificial intelligence big data and that sort of thing and drew i hope we can talk again really interesting stuff well done yeah thank you good to talk thanks uh you know it's it's funny as a, a great fan of um of orwell among others and uh you know brave new world and and all those uh you know uh, dystopian uh, novels of the past uh it's it's really interesting to see that big brother is a corporation and there are multiple corporations competing to be the best, most effective Big Brother. 
And it's mostly, for now, just to sell us stuff, and we're gladly signing up for all of it. Um, it's a little, it's a little weird. I mean, it's 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 kind of good. Amazon occasionally asks me, "Hey, hey, I know what shaving cream you want. How you doing with that? You got uh, plenty of that in the uh, the uh, the uh, the cabinet there, Joe?" <laughs> and the notion, yeah, I'm good for now. And the notion that they, similar to like your web browsing history, now they can see your store browsing history. Oh, he mm-hmm. walked in aisle three. He picked up this can of chili. Read it for thirty seconds, picked up another one. Oh, that second one is the one he went. I, you know, and then they can kind of go into those datas and figure right. it out what is the difference right. between those chilies or whatever. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, someday you're going to walk in there and the scanners are going to go, "Holy crap, is he hiding a midget under his coat? Look at Fat Boy over there. He's gained at least ten pounds." And then will they like route me over to the diet foods or? Or like, uh, you know, I'll I'll reach for a burrito and it'll zap me or something. No burrito for you. It'll be interesting to see what sort of crossover your real life browsing has to the things that your your online Amazon account does because you're sure. checking in with your phone and so then they know and just like you were saying they suggest hey here's this even if you never bought it online now they know the other things you buy right yeah for instance here I am um, I'm about to have my delicious mid show snack which I referenced which is uh, a tuna tuna and cracker snack mm-hmm. I love that I buy that a couple of times in the uh, Amazon store they're going to start. You know, zapping me emails and messages saying, hey, dude, you can, you know, buy the stuff in bulk if you want. Dope. Bring it to work with you, <laughs> which I actually do now. Uh, interesting. Somewhat frightening, but uh, convenient as hell. We'll see uh, if that becomes a nationwide thing. And I tell you what, you uh, minimum wage activists, you're you're bringing this on the poor peeps. You keep pushing. There are going to be fewer and fewer people employed in these sort of jobs. Uh, Jane Fonda, Megan Kelly. Biatch e biatch action. Stay with us on the Armstrong and Getty Show next. <laughs> 